This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. Before we get to today's show, we want to thank everybody and remind you guys to please go to our iTunes page, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, five-star review with a question always gets answered. And um, if you guys want to check out the other shows on our network, the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers, you get a lot of great Longhorn content in those two shows, plus this one. Um, so without further ado, I would like to... Uh, We're going to have a a little bit of a mutual congratulations uh, piece here. Nick, congratulations to your Heat for being one game up in the Western Conference Finals. If you would like to congratulate me for the Stars making it to the Stanley Cup, I will accept that. Absolutely. I mean, but they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, so I feel a little offended now. Sorry, sorry, my bad. I I don't watch basketball, and I I think of everything through, like, Maverick Stars terms, so (laughs) I always, whenever I hear Conference Finals, Western always comes out in front of it. So, yes, Eastern Conference Finals, and who are they playing? The Celtics, right? Yeah, the Celtics. I'm a little worried about the series. We've got Game 2 tonight as we're recording on Thursday, so as you're listening to this Friday morning, you'll probably know if I'm in a good mood or not for Friday. Uh, But, yeah, I'm pumped for the Stars too this is this is huge it's been a a roller coaster ride as a stars fan i can tell you that and uh i went from being you guys know i'm very kind of like or why i say you guys like nick you know and guy like our other friend who we we often group text about it i'm kind of pessimistic on the stars when we're talking like i'm you know i just i they they've let me down a lot and so i'm kind of i try to stay realistic but now i'm to the point where i'm like the stars aren't getting enough credit in the national media so um i guess we're there uh very excited for that so should be a fun couple weeks with uh, nick's favorite team in the in in the uh, basketball final uh, conference finals and and my favorite team in the uh, nhl uh, stanley cup finals so we'll uh yeah, I, I'm sure our moods will be deeply affected by whatever the <laughs> results of those cases are. Uh, but you guys did not come here to hear a breakdown of Jimmy Butler's game, which Nick could give you if you if you wanted to. Or oh, we um, could definitely talk about that for 45 minutes. Or the way the stars get in on the forecheck better than anybody in the NHL. Um, what you came here to hear is uh, stuff about Texas recruiting, and that's exactly what we're going to give you. Uh, big show today. What we're going to talk about is uh, a couple of upcoming decisions. Nick and I will talk about who we saw on the road. Then, of course, we'll always finish off with the mailbag. Um, so let's get right to those upcoming decisions in the 2021 class. Uh, two guys who we're hearing are, are nearing a decision are Terrence Cooks and Andrew Makuba. Let's start with Cooks, the kid out of uh, of Shadow Creek and, and Pearland, uh, one of Nick's favorite high school programs to cover. Um, Cooks is a kid that I would say since the spring, Texas has been out front running largely unopposed. I mean, it kind of just always felt like a, 
when and not if kind of thing. In fact, we've heard multiple times that Cooks has been close to a decision, and I think if he had made those decisions, he would be he would have picked Texas. Um, as of a couple of weeks ago, LSU came into the picture and offered. He he does have family from Louisiana. His father's side of the family is from Baton Rouge, so um, it's kind of complicated things a little bit. Um, I would say, and Nick's talked to him, I've talked to him, we both have a pretty good relationship with Terrence, and um, I would say, like, right now, I'm still leaning Texas. I still think that um, the relationship matters, the the longevity matters. I think Texas might end up being the beneficiary of being on the other end of where they've lost so many times with, well, I really like Texas, but they just offered too late. Um, I think that that Texas could be the beneficiary of that at this point. the thing that worries me is is Terrence is starting to talk a little bit about NFL development, and obviously when you look at Texas and contrast that with LSU, um, one school can sell it in spades and the other one would have a problem selling it. But in the end, I, I'm going to lean on the fact that his relationship with Coleman Hutzler, his mother's relationship with Coleman Hutzler, and just the, the longevity he's had with Texas wins out. And I think if I have to, to state my pick right now, I like it on Texas. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, like you said, we've been talking with Terrence quite frequently. I, I think it really started to ramp up whenever he visited uh, for Elite Day back in January, and he just had glowing remarks. And honestly, ever since then, his recruitment has felt like the Alfred Collins recruitment from the 2020 class. It was basically just, yeah, this kid is all Texas. It just depends on when he snaps. But then once LSU got into uh, got into the mix, it's made things a little interesting. And uh, yeah, of course, whenever he mentioned um, the development uh, at Texas as a, uh, opposed to a school like LSU, that obviously worries uh, worries fans and worries us reporters because um, LSU has more of a pitch there when it comes to developing NFL talent, especially after last year. Um, and it's kind of hard for Texas to pitch that at this point, especially at the linebacker position. But I think Coleman Hutzler has done a great job coming into Austin and uh, making Cook's priority number one, and um, you know staying in contact with him three to four times a week, and you know making sure he's comfortable with the defensive staff as a whole, with Chris Ash and uh, some kids on campus, and he's even got a relationship with a lot of the commits like Derek Harris. So um, I like where Texas stands right now, but LSU is definitely making things interesting. And then the other uh, the other kid we've we've heard close to a decision is Andrew Makuba, the four star safety out of Austin, LBJ. Um, and you know that one's kind of a reverse situation where, in in the past few weeks, I think that I've probably been leaning towards Clemson in that race, having a little more momentum. But as of late, uh, within the last week or so, I think that the, my confidence in Texas is slightly up. Um, I think that it's still this is one of the more recru- uh, confusing recruitments I've ever covered. It's one of the more harder to read uh, recruitments I've ever had, and even those like really close to them. I mean, there are guys that we can go to in just about any recruitment and. And they'll give us the you know the real dirt, and even those really really close to him don't know. So um, I think Anderson done a really good job concealing it, but but putting together the pieces of what I've been told by a number of people, I think that right now I'm going to stick with my pick on Texas from Makuba as well. And I would say that um, while I may feel a little bit confidence down in the Terrence Cook race, I, I feel like a little bit confidence up in the in the Makuba race. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same way. I spoke to Makuba on Wednesday, and you know I like where Texas sits right now. Uh, Clemson has obviously been able to you know put together a pretty good pitch towards him uh, with Coach Brett Vittables, and uh, Davo Sweeney has been involved as well, um, and he's definitely been listening. You know, it's a school that's been at the top or near the top 
the whole way, uh, especially since they've offered. Um, LSU was in the mix at one point, but I really think this is a two-horse race uh, right now. Um, and Texas has the has the lead, and then he will have an announcement coming up this weekend about when he will decide. Um, and I'll have the full full story out on Horns twenty four seven at eleven a.m. on Friday uh, today as you're listening. Um, so be sure to, be sure to check for that, and I'll have the full details of our conversation. But uh, the big note for sure is that he will uh, he, he'll be putting out his commitment date this weekend at some point. Yep. So that's where things stand with those guys. Um, and that's really what we know as far as what's imminent right now in the Texas recruiting world. Um, Nick, we went out, we both got out on the road. We both actually saw Texas targets last week uh, for the first time. Um, let's start with you. You were so impressed with Jonathan Brooks. You called me right after the game and told me you have to get out here to see this kid yourself. So yeah. uh, tell us what impressed you so much. Well, first I was walking up to the to the stadium. Beautiful area of the beautiful area of the state. I think I gave it a, a hard time last week when I was like, "Ah, oh, that's no man's land. There's nothing down there." But I honestly fell in love with the little small town vibes down there in Ganado, Texas. I had a great time. Ate at a little nice little Mexican restaurant. It was a little overpriced for my taste, but it was fantastic. I had a great experience. Uh, but then going to the game, uh, yeah, Jonathan Brooks from from pregame warmups you could just tell he was different and I mean we are talking about a 3A game so I don't know how much you know that weighs on your mind but uh, his build is fantastic for right now and I talked to his coach after the game and I was like you know is that something he's been improving on he said man since March he's been going to work and especially since he committed to Texas he's been going to work in the gym he's been trying to get stronger he's been trying to get better his field vision as a high school running back is some of the best I've ever seen I really really like Jonathan Brooks. You know, I had him as a high tier three star before going to see him. I see him as a low grade to mid grade four star right now. I, I really like Jonathan Brooks and I like what he was able to do last week. He did put five touchdowns up on Ganado. Ganado, uh, they're having a down year, but still had some fantastic runs. Uh, I believe he had nine, eight carries for 117 yards, four touchdowns, and then uh, one reception for 66 yards and a touchdown. If you want to go back and look at those touchdown plays, they're on my Twitter uh, still. Uh, you can just kind of scroll back to last Friday and see the videos of that. But yeah, he looked really good. And I, I, yeah, I did call Mike afterwards and I was like, yeah, you got to get out here and come see him. Yeah, and I think when you talk about kids, you, you, I mean, you mentioned the, the competition level in 3A. Look, I mean, it is what it is. You're born where you're born. You play where you play. The thing you can do as a as a big-time recruit at that level to distinguish yourself is dominate the competition. And, um, you know, I think even against Shiner, which was uh, which beat Hallettsville in week one on a terrible stream that I watched, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, that was a tough team for them to face, and and I, they they kind of clogged up the middle, but still, you know, Brooks was able to to get his yards, get his scores, all those types of things. So um, he's been pretty dominant thus far. I guess my only question on him would be speed, um, like long speed. Uh, I think that that's really the only the only question I have that separates him from a four star. I did profile him in our performance of the week uh, category this year uh, this week, uh, which released uh, Thursday, and. Watching that film from that game, the most impressive thing to me is his balance. I mean, there were a couple times where he was, you know, leaned over, getting hit low, and still kept his feet and kept the run going. So um, I love a good, a good balance in a running back who uh, could stay up and, and run through contact in the lower body and things like that. When you combine it with the vision, which I, I think 
we had seen on film. I think that was one of the things I really loved about him on film. But it, it is great to see, you know, that you confirmed that that you saw the same thing live. Um, when you combine all of those things together, I think that that makes for a really impressive prospect. I just wonder about the speed. Yeah, I feel that. And last week, or I think it was on Monday, I put out that, you know, my favorite part of his game is that vision. Uh, I think he's at an elite level for field vision for his age. Um, And yeah, I would say the top end speed, maybe that's something we haven't quite seen yet. Um, He did bust out on that seam seam route out of the backfield uh, for his one reception. I think it was in the third quarter. And he did he did get out get out of the backfield pretty quick. Um, but it, it is hard to see against competition like that as well. So, you know, that might be something you look for in the playoffs, you know, to see whenever he's playing like the, you know, the big time 3A squads, see how he kind of stacks up against that those kind of speed guys and uh, just kind of go from there. But uh, from where I from where I see him right now on, you know, September 17, 2020, I like this kid a ton. That is uh, something, too, the the pass-catching ability. It was something we hadn't seen, and that wasn't just a swing pass or anything like that. You know, he did get down the seam. He did have to track the ball over his head. Um, impressive stuff, really. I thought he, he looked really good on his film. That's why he got included in top performers of the week. Um, talking to him after the game, what impressions did you get from him as a kid and, uh, you know, any, anything of note that he had to say? Yeah, fantastic kid, super down to earth and, uh, you know, just kind of to his own business. Um, I remember during his recruitment, we had a tough time, you know, trying to get a, a hold of him and trying to get a feel for him. We eventually did, but I kind of understand why now. He's definitely a kid that just keeps to himself and he's about his business. And, you know, he just win, wins ball games and does school. And uh, that's what his coach kind of talked to me about after the game. You know, he's very about his business, very about, you know, what he's doing. He's It's football, family and faith for him. Um, and uh, he has a great relationship with Stan Drayton right now. Uh, he's really excited to get to Austin and just learn from him. Um, he definitely pointed to his uh, Coach Drayton's ability to coach running backs and the running backs he's coached in the past, uh, like Ezekiel Elliott. He definitely uh, pointed to Zeke uh, on a name basis. Um, so he's just excited to get to Austin and learn. And he's also uh, excited to maybe have a two-back class. You know, he's he's working actively to get LJ Johnson um, in the class as well. So, you know, he's not scared of competition and uh, he, he wants to bring good guys to Austin and he wants to be a part of a, you know, a pretty good two-back system that I think Texas is trying to implement over the next couple of years with, you know, all this talent that they have in that running back room. And, you know, I think we kind of forget about Jonathan Brooks, uh, you know, when we look about, when we look into the future. Um, I know we have some threads sometimes that pop up on Horns 24-7 just about, you know, what will the team look like in 2022? And, you know, Jonathan Brooks isn't always included there. But I think I think it's time to, you know, start including him. I think he's a guy that might be able to make some noise in Austin. Uh, am I betting on it right now? No, but I think he really could. It wouldn't surprise me. So you're driving the Jonathan Brooks bandwagon right now. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely the, the conductor of that train. Okay. Um, I was out in Kennedale to see J.D. Coffey. Um, in his first game of the season against uh, a good Sunnyvale team in a game that was a barn burner. Um, it was a, it was kind of funny, and I'll tell you, this is just kind of personal notes that probably nobody cares about, but um, it's just kind of funny how this works out. So I have a close group of friends of mine who, um, two of them are twin brothers. They have a little brother, um, their father. All of them are coaches. Um, and one of them, the little brother, is a coach at Kennedale. And so he and I are, are close, so we're like brothers. And um, So every time I'm out of Kennedale to see JD, I get to also hang out with one of my best friends. And it's great. And um, just the, his brothers are uh, coaches at five and six A schools. His dad's coach at a six A school. And um, 
they got to come. They all got to all come to the game last week because five and six they weren't playing. And um, I went up and set the stands with a couple of them for a little bit. My wife also came because her boss's kid plays center for Sunnyvale. And it was just <laughs> odd all of a sudden how everybody in my life that's close to me, other than like my brother, sister, my nep- brother and sister-in-law, my nephew, were at this one game. And I was telling my buddies, like, we don't ever get to do this anymore because all of you guys are usually out coaching a game on Friday nights and everybody's scattered all over the state. Um, it was just really fun. And it reminded me a lot of that, like, that community aspect of Texas high school football that, that I really loved. So um, it was a really cool experience. Uh, as far as the game – you know, JD uh, was uh, played really tough. I think that you know he, he started dealing with calf cramps in about the second quarter, and and would go out and play a series and play play his butt off, and then come back and basically crumble to the ground and get get the calf cramp massaged out um, after that. And so he you know he was doing this. He was also punt returning uh, for Kennedy. He's also on kickoff return and kickoff. So he plays a bunch of different teams. Um, had an interception near the end of the half. Had uh, 11 tackles, I think, um, and, and played well. I think he, he got beat deep a couple times, but I think that was a lot because of the cramping. He just really couldn't turn it loose. And then, um, you know, he really gritted out a, uh, a big punt return late in the game, which gave Kinnadell the opportunity to take the lead. It was a game where Sunnyvale jumped out to a 10-point lead, and they kind of always kept it at a two-possession lead all the way through the game. I think it was 10 to nothing, and then it was like 17 to 6. Um, and then it was like, you know, 23 to 13. Um, and and Kennedale just hung around, hung around, hung around. And all of a sudden, um, near the end of the game, had the chance to to win it and uh, kicked a field goal to win uh, 27-25. So uh, a really a really barn-burning good game and, and really fun to watch. J.D. was great afterwards. You know, talking to him, he's just really excited to get through with the senior season and get down to Austin. He will be enrolling early, so um, he'll be in Austin in January. I uh, said that a couple of schools are still coming after him, but he's he's 100% locked in. And, you know, he was pretty excited for the, the Texas-UTEP game. He really wanted to see what, what uh, the defense had on tap. And so – um, I think he probably came away pretty impressed by by the way they came out. So, all in all, I think it was a, a really good uh, a really good week of high school football, which will transition us into this. This is looking to be a very frustrating week of, of high school football, Nick. <laughs> to say um, the least. <laughs> I think it should be said that um, if you if you follow Matt Step on Twitter, he reports on on the games that are being canceled around the state, and when you look at them, it's not a huge number in comparison to the entire state, but. I think it is concerning that each week the number goes up. And um, it seems like this week we've had a lot, including the game I was scheduled to go to, uh, Lexington versus Cameron Yo. Um, we're trying to find replacements right now. Both Nick and I do not have a Friday night game at this point, and it is Thursday afternoon. So um, that's where we are. And it's probably going to be like this for a lot of the season. Um, for instance, next week, I'm going to go see Arlington Martin play Ditton Ryan, and I'm not going to get field access. So I'm not going to sure I'm going to be able to talk to any of the kids after the game. Um, and that's kind of just the way it's going to be. So what we're doing is we're trying to hit as many practices and things like that as possible. Earlier this week, I've, I've been out to John Paul. I went out to Kimball, uh, tried to go out to Sock, but the, we- the weather ruined that, making for a very just very frustrating Wednesday. Um, next week, I'll be back out seeing as many more guys as I can. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a frustrating time right now, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this – this whole uh, 1A through 4A for the first four weeks, 
you know, I like that we were able to get out to the small schools and, you know, see, you know, some football that we wouldn't necessarily see um, in the first four weeks of the season. But now that we're in week four and so many games are getting canceled, it kind of worries me for what's about to happen in 5A, 6A once it gets going. Because, I mean, there's already a threat that uh, Highland Park and Austin Westlake won't play next Friday night um, due to a, um, a COVID breakout at Highland Park. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely gonna have to be. It's definitely gonna be weird. We're all gonna have to be flexible, you know, as reporters, fans, and uh, me and you are gonna have to get really creative as far as you know, uh, finding content and seeing kids because it's definitely gonna be a weird season. But you know, uh, you know, I'm excited for it. Let's let's see what happens, and you know, whatever happens, happens. Which we've been very creative throughout the entire COVID thing. Like we've somehow managed to figure it out. We will somehow manage to figure it out to get through the rest of the fall but it's uh it's tough man i uh i have pledged not to not to complain not to you know just be happy with everything we can get this year but it's it's tough it gets frustrating at times so we just have to remember that and i know these coaches and administrations are doing their best to deal with this stuff and it's not something they ever thought they'd have to prepare for and they're doing their best so um we'll give them that and we'll we'll do what we can but we we hope you guys understand that that's kind of just the way things are nick let's before we go on to the to the mailbag i didn't i'm going to spring this on you because i didn't talk we didn't talk about it in pre-show but um uh, we don't do much team coverage here, but since we don't have much else to talk about, what did you think of Texas' performance against UTEP? You know, I really liked it, especially from an offensive standpoint. Um, I think Sam had probably one of his best games of his career, and that's uh, that's great to have game one um, for a season. Uh, I really liked his performance. I really liked the receiving core performance. You know, that was something that I had a question mark about going in. And even with Jordan Whittington going down relatively early in the game, they were still able to pull off, you know, some pretty eye-boggling stats and even got a walk-on a touchdown. Shout-out to Kai Money, best biology major in the country. Um, but uh, other than that, other than that, on the defensive side of the ball, they looked really strong well, uh, really strong as well. The only thing I kind of worried about or the only thing that I wish they had done a little bit better there was only one sack in the game, and it came from Alfred Collins in the fourth quarter. Shout out to uh, our big bear, Alfred Collins. Um, but um, other than that, I think on all facets of the ball, all facets of the game, um, I think they played fantastic. Yeah, and I thought, um, you know, how many times have we seen a Texas play a team like UTEP and not? I mean, the the only thing you can do to really meet expectations or even surpass them is just to ground that team into the dirt. And that's what they did, but we've seen a lot of times where they haven't done that and they've looked sloppy. So um, a really good start. It's kind of a bummer they're not playing this week, right? Like, I, I, I'm, yeah. ready, I'm ready to see them again against real competition. Um, recruiting news that is notable out of that. Uh, Landon Holby was in the stadium. Caleb Burton was in the stadium. The only two recruits I know of for sure that were in the stadium. Um, obviously, Landon Holby could be there because his brother, Jaden Holby, plays on the team, and so they get family passes. Um, Caleb Burton was there because there is a rule that Texas can give uh, tickets to high school coaches. Caleb's father is the head coach at Del Valle, so obviously he can bring whoever he wants. Um, with that rule in mind, I expect there to be a lot of coaches receiving tickets this year for games uh, all around the state. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of any other kids who have, you know, head coaches as dads. Um, Caleb Burton's really the only one that's coming to mind right now. Um, yeah, it doesn't even. 
it doesn't even have to be a head coach. I mean, it's anybody who's in the Texas High School Coaches Association. That's and that's true. been a that's been a rule on the books forever that anybody in the Texas High School Coaches Association can request two tickets, and they usually get them for free if they are available. So um, it's not anything new that they're using. It's just um, it's kind of a loophole uh, within this dead period that got extended out until January first. So um, I'll be interested to see what other recruits and their coaches pop up in the stadium uh, this year. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Nick, um, let's move on to the mailbag. As always, you can get your mailbag questions in at uh, the message board, the Hornets 24-7 message board when we put the the thread up. Um, You can also uh, send a five-star review to our iTunes page with a question, and we will uh, get them answered. Um, The one question we do have... From the iTunes page comes from PF Horn Fan. Uh, it says, since uh, the last two years, the top two linemen uh, Texas signed weren't the top rated. Is there still a chance Texas picks up another offensive lineman who might be a little under the radar? I mean, yeah, that's they're going to have to, um, right? Like they're they're not going to unless they can flip somebody or they can um, you know steal some momentum in those races for Bryce Foster or Savian Bird, which I don't see happening. They're going to have to land somebody who's under the radar and hope that that evaluation works out. Uh, right now, that guy looks like Jacoby Jackson from Mansfield Summit. Um, after missing out on Ryan Langell and Jack Lehrer, uh, he's the next man up. So um, we'll see where things kind of stand with him. Yeah, they have no choice. They're going to have to find that guy that you know that they can develop um, in the college system, and hopefully he turns out to be you know pretty good, pretty good uh, four year player for them. Um, I mean, if they're looking back, I mean Samuel Cosme, they were able to do that with him. Uh, granted, that was kind of a different circumstance whenever they landed Cosme. They uh, they need that number this year. Um, so yeah, we'll see, but, uh, they're definitely going to have to find a guy under the radar and develop him in the next couple of years. All right. Our next question, uh, from bear 90, uh, does the dead period extension past early signing day have a considerable impact with any particular recruits? Uh, Andrew McCuba, Shamar Turner and current Texas, uh, and current Texas commits or targets committed elsewhere included. Um, yeah. So it's still interesting to see what the early signing period is going to be and, there, I, there seems to be some weird push for people to push it back, and I just don't get why. Like, I think if you've got people who want to sign early, let them sign early and let them get it out of the way like normal because a lot of those kids are early enrolling anyways. Um, 
But if you've got kids who don't want to sign early, they can always opt to sign it whenever the NCAA sets the February signing period. So, um, you know, if, if visits are permitted in the spring or something like that, then they could take advantage of those and, and wait it out. Um, I don't know that it's going to have a considerable impact. If anything, I think it's going to push decisions forward. I think that you're seeing that with Makuba, uh, probably with Terrence Cooks as well. I think you'll see it with Shamar Turner. Um, so, yeah, I think that if any impact, it's going to be that. Yeah, I think in the 2021 class, we're going to have, if we're talking about the entire 2021 class, not even just looking at Texas targets and commits, I think we could see 95 to 97% of the kids uh, signed by the early signing period, just because um, it's not going to be, look, it's not going to look like visits are going to be able to happen, period. Um, and the early signing day, I think regardless is going to stay put. If any signing day moves, I think it would be the February one, but that's just my opinion. Um, you know, I could see it being pushed back, you know, three or four weeks, uh, maybe that, and that's if, uh, visits open up, you know, if visits don't open up. I mean, what's the point at the, at that point? So, um, as far as Makuba, Shamar, and, you know, any other commits, uh, when it, or commits or targets when it comes to Texas, um, you know, these, this is a class that I think will be wrapped up by November regardless. All right, next question from HornsFan7612. Is Texas currently in a good position with Kelvin Banks? Is Texas A&M really the leader there? Um, yeah, I think, they're in a, I think they're in a really good position. I, I don't think there is a clear leader for Kelvin Banks at this point. I think it's probably Texas and Texas A&M out front, um, and those schools are the ones that are going to do the primary battle for him. Uh, but it's early. You know, Kelvin made a really early decision, and I think he's been very clear that he's going to take his time with the next decision. Yeah, I'm going to go one step further, and I, I do believe Texas, the, Texas A&M is the leader right now, but Texas is right there, and I think there's a lot of time left in this recruitment. Um, you know, this is a kid that I think they can get on campus and really win over, And uh, but right now, yeah, Texas A&M might be the leader, uh, but I think it's just because of, um, you know, he trains with Kenyon Green, um, has a good relationship with him, so um, I, I think that might be a reason. Um, he also has some Texas A&M influence within his family. Uh, but I think if he got out to Texas and, you know, really saw everything and, you know, got to meet the coaching staff, that it, it could change things. All right. Our next question from Polly Dreamer. How are you feeling on 2022 O-line recruiting? With the dead period extended, are new offers for 2021 O-line done? Um, 2022 O-line, I feel pretty good decent about um i think that texas is in good shape with like the interior guys in that class i think they're probably the leader for devon campbell and i think they're in a group uh in the league for cole hudson so that's two interior guys they could take uh now kelvin banks cam dewberry um you know we just kind of talked about banks i think they've got some work to do with dewberry for sure uh but for for now i think they're in a better place than they are than they are with 21 i don't believe 21 offers are done i mean they're going to offer guys based on <laughs> on seeing them play this fall and, and just have to hope on that so um yeah i don't think offers are done it just depends on if they can land jacoby jackson or not yeah, that's, that's a big thing about 2021. We still have, hopefully, a whole season left this fall uh, of high school ball to be played. And there could be, you know, some random kid that pops up uh, in the 2021 class that just has a dominant year. And, uh, you know, Texas makes a good early evaluation and they ended up landing him. Um, you know, that's happened in the past. Uh, so I don't think 2021 offensive line recruiting is done at all. You know, we could see some uh, we could see some new names pop up in December uh, if need be. Uh, but as far as 2022 offensive line recruiting, you know, I think Texas realizes that they're going to have to do a pretty good job in 22 on the offensive line. Um, and I think they've done a pretty good job on getting a head start with guys like Devon Campbell, Cole Hudson, um, 
uh, Kelvin Banks and Cam Dewberry. Uh, so I, I like where they're sitting right now for sure. Next question from Red Wings uh, EK028. Uh, do you see Isaac Thompson or Jalen Gilbo in the 2022 class committing to Texas soon? Um, I know Jalen Gilbo is close to a decision. I don't think Texas is out of it, and that's all I'll say, and I hope you guys will just <laughs> bear with me there and read between the lines. Um, Isaac Thompson, I did put a, a Texas crystal ball in for him earlier this week. Um, I do like where Texas sits with him. I think he's going to want to take some visits in the spring, so I don't know how soon that happens. Consider my answer for this question being Mike's answer as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from KC67, I'm sure this is a dead horse, but uh, with a Big 12 championship – or a, com- a college football playoff appearance open the door for any highly ranked 2021 offensive line recruit. It could, absolutely. I don't know who. I mean, I. it's really hard to forecast that right now. I yeah. think that, um, yeah, absolutely. It could definitely open some eyes and change some things. But as of right now, I, I don't know. I, I can't give you a name on, like, this guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could definitely open the door for some for – some- I'm not going to say any names like you said because then that would be forecasting a little bit too weirdly. Uh, but, yeah, it definitely could. And they'll, they'll hold you to it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, a college football playoff appearance could open the door for a, a lot of targets, not even just offensive line. Um, you know, a good season on the field could really change things in Texas recruiting because that's the one thing that they really can't pitch right now. Um, you know, the last above-average season that I think they've had in the last 10 years is 2018 – and they still lost four games that year. So if they can go out and make the college football playoffs, that really just solidifies their pitch, and it solidifies what they've been telling recruits for the last year since they brought this new staff in, that they're really about to change the culture, and if they can actually put that on the field and prove it, it changes a lot of things. The biggest problem with that, and this is just a personal gripe, is if you've got to bring in a new staff to change the culture that the old staff you hired instilled, um, that doesn't speak great for you, but whatevs. <laughs> um, from OB James 23 how many commits do you see Texas having in total for the 21 class? I think it's somewhere between 22 and 25. I would uh, 23, if you pin me to a number, I could see that, but I could see them going all the way up to 25 as well. I'll just make a prediction, and I'll just go 24. Shout out to Kobe. Uh, from Nero 1691, it uh, looks like the 2022 class is seeing a lot of early action in the Midwest and St. Louis area. Uh, I know Texas had Delhi and Marcus Washington from there. Is the staff prioritizing that area a bit now, or is it just an area where Texas uh, feels has good recruits for that class? I think it's probably more of a reflection of the makeup of this staff, whereas Herman's first staff was largely guys who had recruited most of their lives in Texas. This is a staff that's a bit more national when you consider that Kansas State recruited more from that Midwest area. Uh, when you consider Chris Ash and Jay Valai have, have recruited more in the Northeast. When you consider that uh, Coleman Hutzler's experienced in recruiting on the East Coast, Mark Hagan in the Midwest, uh, Mike Yurcich in the Midwest, uh, Jay Bolware nationally uh, with Oklahoma. Um, I think that that this is just a, a, a staff that has more connections elsewhere. So I don't know that they're necessarily prioritizing that Midwest area. It seems like there's maybe a, a better class this year, but I think that for, for anything, they're just going to be a more nationally branded staff because they have connections there. Yeah, those are great points, and I definitely agree. But that also, while it might be might be Big Ten country, there's also quite a bit of Big 12 country up there as well. And, you know, if you're living in Kansas or Missouri and, um, you know, you're a Big 12 fan – uh, as a recruit, you don't necessarily want to 
limit yourself to Kansas or Kansas State. You know, you want to try to get to the Texas or Oklahomas. So uh, I think we kind of saw that um, uh, with Dason McCulloch when we maybe thought he was going to be a Big 12 kid uh, but before he ended up committing to Ohio State. Um, he's out in, in Kansas. So I, I think it also has to do a bit with the area as well. All right. Um, our next question from Hook'em SD. If, if Texas finishes with four wide receiver in the 2021 class, how many would they take in 22? Uh, best cast, of course, because it's still early. I think that they w- they're going to try to take a big class in 22 because, A, there's the numbers in state to do it, and, B, I think they've got the natural advantage having Quinn Ewers. I think that you could see them really take four or five guys in 22 regardless of what they take in 21. Yeah, I, I like the Quinn Ewers point. Um, when you have a quarterback like that already committed, you're going to have a lot of wide receivers that um, are definitely going to be really interested in Texas. And you pair that with the amount of in-state talent that Texas has at the wide receiver position in the 2022 class. Um, yeah, I could definitely see them taking a, a big load at wide receiver. Okay, and um, we missed this last week. This question was all actually sent in like a month and a half ago. Um, <laughs> and we just... We just, uh, uh-oh, hold on. I'm going to vamp here for a second because my phone is freezing up while I'm trying to pull it up. Um, this this question was sent in like a month and a half ago uh, from Charles Daniels, um, who who uh, usually sends in his, his questions. But we've uh, we've had a bit of uh, a bit of a misconnection when it comes to uh, getting his questions in for the mailbag, um, and so he sent it in like two weeks ago, and then I said, "Well, we've already recorded, but we'll get to it next week," and then I just forgot it last week. So we're going to get to it this week. Um, Charles Daniels says, um, "Please explain explain this recruiting adage to me." This is his question for me. As always, he's got a question for me and a question for Dick. Um, <laughs> Texas is a dream school, but they offer too late. Uh, I can't understand that thinking. Working with 24-7 or Dave Campbell's is a dream of mine. Should they have already offered me a job? Yes. Will I turn it down because it comes two years too late? No. So, yeah, I I, I know that's a common question we get. Um, And I think that, yeah, I I get the, the rationale that if a school is a dream school, it shouldn't matter when they offer you, you take that offer. But... Kids are different, and I think that the the biggest issue that adults have looking at it is trying to pigeonhole kids on all the same. They act like it never happens. For instance, Charles Wright, uh, you know that that offer came late. He was already committed to another school, and it didn't even take a second thought from him, um, you know, to commit. So it absolutely does happen. I just think that in some cases, kids get a little bit on their pride. Um, they get a little too much behind their loyalty, and that's where you you see that come out. Um, question for Nick. Uh, you take over Nike and you get to give one Texas high school football player his own signature shoe. Which player would you choose to build the signature line around? This is interesting. I like this. If you had asked this in the 2020 class, it would have been Raylan Sharp, quarterback at Allen. He's actually a shoe designer. He wants to be a shoe designer when he when he grows up, and he has some impressive work. He's now at the University of Houston. Uh, but as far as the 2021 class, hmm, Trying to think of some guys that really got some good style. Um, I know Demetrius Davis can throw out some nice cleats out on the field. Uh, Landon King has a nice style to him. Um, hmm, this is a tough one. Do you know anybody, Mike, who's you I know, think, just got I some think, cleat swag? 
I, I don't even think it's that. I think what you have to do is find your Jordan. You have to find who is the most marketable guy in high school football. Who's the guy that you know everybody would want to go see? Who's the guy? I think Demetrius Davis would be high on that list. Yeah. I think that he's got a lot of that type of swag. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like, honestly, I'll tell you, like, in 2020, DeMond Demas would have been, like, a super easy oh, pick. Oh, absolutely. That's a that's a marketing giant waiting to happen. Um, Jaquindon would have been a really good one as well. Jaquindon would have been a good one for sure. 21. Well, actually, he said any player in the state, so it could be anybody. Right. Um, so it doesn't have to be 21. Um, True. Quinn Ewers, then. Like Quinn, yeah, Quinn. I mean, Quinn just on his status, but who's the guy that like? I don't know. I it's a tough question because there's so many. One interesting answer would be Donovan Green because he does design his own sneakers, as he talked about here on the State of Recruiting podcast. <laughs> That's um, true. Man, I'm just trying to think who would be. Who would be that guy? Um, you know who would be a cool one, I think, even though he's not, like, super vocal, but Billy Bowman. I, I, th- I thought about that. I thought about that. Yeah, I think Billy Billy would be up there for sure. I think Shamar could be up there. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question, man. Um, so so what? Sh- uh, how about this? Why don't you give us this? Give me a 21 guy and a 22 guy. 21 guy, I, I think I would go with Demetrius. Um, 2022. You know, honestly, I think Brennan Thompson would be really interesting. You could throw a marketing campaign around him being a small-town high school kid but an All-American at the same time and throw him a nice little cleat on. I think that could be interesting. All right. Well, there you go. All right, hey, it may be Jared Kerr with the way he's playing right Shoot, now. Shoot, <laughs> you're right. You're right. You want to talk about small-town heroes. Jared Kerr might be that guy. Um, All right, that's going to do it for our mailbag. So, Charles, we finally got your question answered. Uh, Make sure you get us a new question next week. And uh, we want to thank you guys for interacting with the show. We want to thank you guys for uh, interacting with us, listening, uh, sending in questions, all those sorts of things. We appreciate it. Uh, Again, we'd like to remind you to please go uh, and give us a five-star review on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and uh, Tell your friends. Spread the word around. For Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week.
You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.